0: I want everybody in the company, including all of the management and all the board and the workers to all have a significant stake in the company. And then we're all rowing the boat in the same direction because mining's a tough enough game as it is. And.
1: Hi, and welcome to the My Future Business Show. My name is Rick Nusky. I am your host, and I get to speak to some incredibly talented people. And today is no different because I'm on the line with the wonderful Andrew Bowring. And welcome
0: to the show, Andrew. Thanks very much, Rick. Pleasure That's, to be here.
1: Yes. Now, for the context uh, for everybody who's on the call today, we're going to be talking about uh, um, silver at uh, Apollo Silver Mining. Um, now, just so you are aware, everybody was on the call mm-hmm. with us today. Um, Andrew is a independent chair of the board at Apollo Silver. And um, we're going to be talking about what makes silver so attractive and importantly, how you can get involved with Apollo Silver as an investor. But before we do any of that, Andrew, I'd love to spend a couple of moments, which we do, I guess, customarily, uh, learning a little bit about you. Now, where is home for you?
0: I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada.
1: Fantastic. And um, where does, uh, I guess, uh, Apollo Silver operate?
0: Although Silver operates, well, our head office is here in Vancouver, but we have assets in California and assets in Arizona.
1: Yeah, fantastic. We can touch on that uh, uh, in some depth in a moment. But uh, prior to doing that, I wonder in your downtime if you get much of that injury, uh, what do you like doing with yourself? Uh,
0: I'm, a work, I'm a worker I'm a worker bee. I love to work. <laughs> uh, I enjoy. I enjoy cars and collecting art and stuff like that. But honestly, I'm a worker. Everybody knows that. I've been 35 years in the business. i owned my own drilling companies and and uh, and I run several public companies there yep. you know prime mining at a half a billion market cap American lithium at a north of half a billion market cap and wow
1: you know lithium's follow. a big lithium's a big thing at the moment isn't it with all the uh, EV coming through
0: it is the uh, there's two big Chinese giant lithium companies um, outbidding each other for my for a lithium company I started five years ago, so yeah, it's a pretty exciting time.
1: <laughs> yeah, what a problem to have, hey! <laughs> <laughs> now, um, in, in, in terms of um, you know, when we grow, when we're growing up, I love to uh, just uh, learn a little bit about what you can recall that uh, you have fond memories of when you were growing up, and where was that? Where did you grow up?
0: I grew up in the Okanagan. That's a couple hundred kilometers east of where I live in Vancouver now, and. Uh, and my memories were, were gold panning in some of the smaller streams up in the Okanagan and, uh, and coin collecting.
1: So is that where you got your taste for the resources sector, do you think? I think so. I think <laughs> so, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, we all have, you know, that entrepreneurial streak through us and the people that are listening to this show today, Andrew, are entrepreneurs and they always love to, to listen into, you know, the very earliest stories about our entrepreneurial pursuits. Can you remember the first entrepreneurial pursuit that you ever had? Good or bad? I do.
0: I do. <laughs> what I do when I was 10 years old, we moved to uh, we moved on to the border of a golf course. And uh, and within I don't know two weeks of moving there, I was walking around the golf course collecting golf balls and selling them to the doctors and lawyers that played at the club. And I never looked back. I mean, I had a lot of money as a kid just from selling yeah. lost golf balls.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and oftentimes they're brand new, aren't they?
0: That's right. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. How many times <laughs> you put one up on the tee and hit it into the woods, <laughs> never to get it back? Right. Do you like playing golf? I do. I don't. I. I do. I just, I don't have a, a lot. I'm busy with yeah, work. Yeah,
1: so no, I I'll understand. Check. Now, um, you know, you and I touched on briefly earlier that, uh, you know, I enjoy the resources sector being in the drilling game myself for a decade or so. You owned an organization like that. Now I know by sitting left to to CEOs and owners of those types of businesses that that's hard work and that takes a bit of effort. Tell us a little bit about that experience.
0: Well, so after uh, high school, I went and worked on the drilling rigs in in Western Canada, and I did that for four years. Uh, so I know from right from down to washing equipment to bolting it back together and making yep. it operate. Uh, of course, I went through university, and fifteen or twenty years later, I find myself working for a gold exploration company, and and. Uh, uh, in the sales end of it, the IR end of it. And, yep. and they were writing big checks to the drilling company. And I thought, you know, I got a lot of experience in a drilling company to to run one. And so I started one yep. and and it was successful. And and we ran it for a lot of years. I only sold my final stake out in it three years ago and operated seven right. drills across Canada. I drilled iron, ore, copper, gold, silver, pick them. I drilled them. So, um, but I think that it helps you in, in, in any business really being an entrepreneur and and understanding the bottom line and and how mm-hmm. you make something successful and and uh and i don't think enough people understand that in the public market sector you know
1: uh, yeah absolutely
0: you know i've run uh so i've done nine deals in in the 30 something years i've been in public markets i've done nine deals five of them have been taken over for their assets yep and uh and the rest of them still trade today and as i mentioned a few minutes ago you know, my my two lead companies are north of a bill, half a billion dollars cap. So um, you don't
1: leave much on the table, do you? When you do this, you you go all in, don't you?
0: Well, you do. You put a, you know, I put a lot of my own money up in these things, and so as a result, you know, I'm I align myself with shareholders. I want everybody in the company, including all of the management and, and all the uh, board and the workers, to all have a significant stake in the company. Or yep, and then and then we're all rowing the boat in the same direction because. Mining's a tough enough game as it is, and you know uh, when you're all rowing the boat in the same direction, things things work really well.
1: Yep, it is. It's a harsh environment, and it takes um, some tenacity, definitely some skill to get the deposits out of the ground and find the right holes and continue on your journey. Now, talking about journeys, tell us a little bit about how it came to be um, that you're involved as a co-founder of Apollo Silver. How did this all happen?
0: Well, I mentioned I. Uh, about 3 years ago i thought the timing was pretty good to get back into the precious metals trade didn't it there'd been 8 or 9 years of pain mm. and 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 it looked it looked to me like there was enough pain in the trade that it was going to turn at some point and and then you know a little bit of luck it, a lot of a lot of money printing around the world yep, and so you yep. had to guess sooner or later that precious metals were going to kick off and then i think covid expedited that of course but but the upshot of that was, boom, precious metals on the, on the significant increase. And, and then running a couple lithium companies, I, I know the, the push that's coming in the electric vehicle space, the renewable energy space, and, mm-hmm. and, the, and, and that whole greening of the earth. And, and silver's a big component in that. So the real advantage to doing a silver deal is that you can capture all of those things. You can capture this potential um, big demand for the metal from the industrial sector. And then the then the insurance precious metals side of it, because of the money printing that's going on, you've got you know considerable storing away of the metal. So I thought it was a good opportunity, a good time. And and the guys that put uh, my early shareholders in in um, Prime and in American Lithium mm-hmm. said, "Would you will would you do a silver deal?" And, and so I said for sure. And that was almost two years ago, and it took us it took us almost two years to find the right assets. Um, And so we, we looked in Peru, we were really close on something in Peru from, from Peru's largest silver producer, Buenaventura. And, and, uh, but, but there were some issues with community and, and some, and royalties had a complication. So we dropped what we thought was a pretty good asset. Mm -hmm. We didn't pick it up. And then again, I was pretty close in Mexico on something. And, and, uh, with a pretty big silver company that was willing to give it to us. And we knew the asset well, and we knew what we could do to alter the the plant and some other things. And anyway, there was complications there. And then some guys came to me with these assets in California and Arizona. And Tom Paragudoff, my CEO who's spent 18 years with BHP.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And
0: and another seven working for Friedland as a CEO Mm -hmm. said, you know, these are the assets. I, I think so too. We can build something here. We can, we can deliver a return so that's the long story of how i got yeah into now you you, you
1: you focus on uh, you know your shareholders and looking after them and obviously there's governance there's structures there's operational obligations all the rest of the stuff that you anybody can see by visiting uh, your website um you know you've got some pretty significant players on board um so there must be a, I guess a wealth of silver in, uh, deposits in these projects could you tell us a little bit about how all this part of it came about
0: Sure. So the two primary assets we picked up are called Waterloo and Langtree. And they're two deposits that are side by side. Mm -hmm. But they have not been worked in many, many years. They were held by Superior Oil and Asarco, owned the two assets in the early days. And then Waterloo was bought by Pan American and Langtree was bought by Athena Silver. And they held them years. Pan American bought the Waterloo in, in the 90s and Pan American has a resource on it of 102 million ounces silver at roughly three ounces a ton. In addition, it's got 13% barite and and uh, barite is a strategic mineral in the US. It's on that strategic mineral list. 95% of it's imported in the US and it's got significance. Barite is used as a weighting component. In drilling fluids in the yes. oil patch, mm-hmm. and so so it's got a great silver credit and a great barite credit, and it was an asset that was just sitting there because when it was picked up by Pan American, they they uh, at the time they were only interested in putting ounces on their balance sheet, not in production. And so they built up through the 90s a big inventory of silver projects. It wasn't until later on in that build-up that they decided to go into production themselves. And they went for the low-hanging fruit of South America. And while I get that, uh, I get that um, decision back then, I think that now we've got bigger problems there. And I've worked in South America quite a bit. It's not as stable and... (laughs) <laughs> you know, like Pru used Peru used to be looked at as one of the nice, greatest places on, on, or sec, maybe second best in the mining industry for stability of mining, and and they've had six presidents in the last year. So yeah, wow. You know, anyway, uh, we picked up that asset. It's an unbelievable asset. It's uh, and 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 the Lang is right beside it, and then and the big deal there is that. When one company owns an asset and right next door another company owns another asset, you never get the returns of scale that you get when one company can own them both. One and one truly is five in this case. Mm-hmm. And, and if you look through our deck, you'll see the reasons why there's there's opportunities to expand in the middle. There's opportunities to mine them as one. There's a lot of opportunities. And so, so we saw a lot of low hanging fruit or yeah. lots of juice left in the orange, I guess, if you will. And we Very were able to- nice. We were able to purchase the assets at a price that was, we think, fair enough. We bought them at about 40 cents an ounce. And when you think that our comparables are trading at about $1.30 an ounce, uh, we bought them at a pretty good price. So,
1: yeah, thank you for sharing. You know, obviously this takes a lot of uh, investment, lots of capital. How, how do you go about um, raising you know, the money that you need to, to open up these, these size projects?
0: Well, my group's raised 180 million dollars in the last 4 months, I would wow. say. Uh and um and 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 it, I would suggest to your readers and or viewers have a look at at some of the projects under our wing and and look at some of who the shareholders are and and uh, uh you know, success has many fathers, but but we have a good track record and um and so people trust us with their money and 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 I would also suggest that I think every deal that I've done since the beginning of time has given early investors a five to ten times their money um, coming out of the gate. And so, Very attractive. Yeah. And so uh, um, we were able to raise $53 million for Apollo Silver in July of this year. Uh, we were able to use $30 million that to buy out the asset from Pan American. And we sit with a really health- healthy treasury. And... And, uh, you know, that gives us the freedom to spend the next two years doing everything that we need to do to get these resources compliant so that we can then take them through an economic study of some kind, whether it's a PEA or a a pre-feasibility study, But, but, you know, we're funded through that, so...
1: Excellent. Yeah, great. Thank you very much for sharing. I I, I think to myself, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the price of silver? We often hear about gold being the primary conversation in these types of circles, but uh, I think silver's got its
0: place. I do. You know, sometimes I joke and I go like, you know, for me, it's all about, can I make money at, at any price? And so we always have to look at the downside and say, hey, can we make any money at What's the long-term running average or the ten-year average on gold? It's maybe yep. fourteen hundred or something like that. Mm-hmm. Can we make money at fourteen hundred? Can we make money at at twelve or thirteen dollars silver? And so you always have to make those assumptions when you look at buying something just just because. Yep. But but I really believe that we've had a a nine-year downtrend in the precious metals prices, except for the last year and a half and and uh, and, and that's just the beginning and so most of the things that i buy i mean I, I think about a can of peas for instance you know they've gone up five times in value in the last 20 years and yeah and uh, and so i think the metal prices are due i think there's going to be a run in them i'm i don't like to predict where they're going but i think the trend is in our favor mm-hmm. i think that, that the silver demand that's coming well and that was the thing i was going to suggest to you was that you know, at the time of the Bible, there was, uh, what did the wise men bring to baby Jesus? They brought him three gifts, um, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And two of those are pretty well gone now. The other one left is gold. And, and so <laughs> the average gold investor, there are gold investors out there. They're, they're smaller than the, like the, by numbers, they're much smaller than silver investors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and silver is a, what do they call it? The people's money. It's a less expensive commodity. It's got a massive industrial demand. It's got supply restrictions due to its being a co-mined product, and that is that it's predominantly um, produced as a byproduct in copper, nickel, and and um, and zinc mining and lead, and, and so uh, it's to me the future looks pretty bright for silver, given its uses in in um, photovoltaic solar panels, uh, um, EVs, jewelry, Geo- all, all the rest of it. Yeah, and all the rest of it, it's, it's, the future looks bright for it. And, and I think that we can build something that's going to be successful, grow, yeah. and ultimately we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to sell it out to somebody at a much higher valuation later. There's going to be a lot I of... Need.
1: Yeah, thank you again. uh, There's going to be a lot of people on this call uh, today, Andrew, who are interested in knowing as much as they can about Apollo Silver. And I'm wondering if you could share with us um, a little bit about about the corporate structure and uh, the team behind Apollo Silver. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that that side of it?
0: Sure. Uh, So uh, Apollo has about 150 million shares issued and outstanding. There's another... um, uh, 50 million shares in, um, I'll tell you, there's 63 million shares in, der- in derivatives. Yep. And those are warrants that are priced, uh, well, 35 million of them, they're a dollar and a quarter. So half of them are at 125 and then the balance are at about a 60 cent average. Uh, so fully diluted, 225 million shares out. Uh, there's uh, 17 million in working capital uh and the share structure would be management's at t- just over 20% high net worth strategic investors 27 to 30% mm-hmm. institutions 30% and then the balance is retail owned
1: yeah fantastic do you uh do you find yourself actually uh going out to site yourself and having a
0: look at these projects ever i do i yep. do i uh and and uh, what do I want to say about I, you know, I um, I know what I don't know, <laughs> and I recognize that you know, I like I know enough geology to get me in trouble, and yes, and and I and I like to I I'll put my money where my mouth is, but but I'm not the <clears throat> mining engineer. Yeah, I'm not the geo. I love to go have a look. I like to assess. Hey, is there is there infrastructure here? You know, where, where's the water supply? Are there some ranches we can buy for the water? or Is there a river we divert? Or where's the, where's the water come from? Amenities, yeah. Yeah, you know, where do the raw materials come from? What's the community like? How are the people? Are we, can we get along with the people? Can we give them jobs? Are they going to let us build a mine here? Or, you know, and, and um, yeah, so touching, feeling, being on the ground is very important in anything you do. If you if you don't do that, we've only finished this deal off in late July and uh, we've already had six of our team on site for two weeks. So it's you don't. Uh, yeah, you, it's very hard to manage from a distance and COVID's caused a bit of problems in that for the last year and a half.
1: Yeah. But
0: uh, but we're slowly coming out of that and, and, it, and it makes for, um, for uh, being on the ground and being close to what you do.
1: I um I know that there'll be a lot of people on here that don't really understand, but they they certainly have the pockets to invest, but um they would like to know um, you know, what type of technology goes into extraction of this type of uh deposit. Is it state of the art? What what do you use to actually follow this process through?
0: Well, we don't we have not determined that yet. Right. So you, we just have not decided yet, and that—that's, of course, comes from a lot of met, a lot of metallurgical testing, and from, uh, and from some pro- process determination to, at the end of the day, determine whether you're going to run a, a flotation circuit and and produce a concentrate that you would sell off, or or if we're going to actually run a a a carbon and leach or a carbon and pulp. Um, milling operation and and that's yet to be determined you know our first our first step is to so what we bought the resources are historic to us because there's been no independent verification of them in the last seven years and in in your world you know in australia mm. resources are generally determined to be jork compliant and then you can from there you can Talk about them, do your economic studies. Uh, in our world, it's called NI 43-101 compliance, and since we bought these assets from Pan-American and from uh, um, uh, private holders on uh, to do with the Langtree, we don't, we don't have what's called a 43-101 compliant resource yet. Yes, there is historically 160 or 170 million ounces of silver there. But, but that's, um, that's our job now to make that compliant. So over the next three to four months, we do some validation of the data. We look at the old chip trays where all the chips from the RC drilling is. We re-assay some of the core from the core drilling that was done. Yep. If we have to, we put a couple holes in to confirm that, they're, that the numbers that we get are the same as the previous numbers. We don't think that we're going to have to do that and we're going to make some public statements about that fairly soon. But but the reality is is that we have to make these resources compliant by doing data verification and validation. And when that's done then, then we will start to do some metallurgical testing. The metallurgy on these deposits is old. It's at least 40 years old. And the network runs from 55% recoveries up to about 85% recoveries. And I think and we think that metallurgy has changed over the years, not the metallurgy of these deposits, but that recovery methods have changed over the years. And so we're looking forward to doing some new testing and seeing what the economic upshot of all that is.
1: Yeah, that's great feedback. I, I wonder, um, Andrew, do you um, have a, a, a team of geos, or do you have somebody who's uh, locally um, fait with the area and they understand the lay of the land? And um, are they involved in your projects?
0: We do. So we have several. We've, we we um, uh, we hired Kathy Fitzgerald. She's a VP geology. Sp- uh, she spent uh, 20 years in resource exploration development. She previously came from Ivanhoe Electric. That's one of Robert Friedland's big companies. Robert mm-hmm. Friedland's the, you know, the self-made billionaire that's yep. built some pretty big mines worldwide. Uh, Alan O'Connor, general manager, 30 years technical and operational experience. Came from De Beers, Canada. Uh, Tom Perigoodoff, 30 years experience geologist. Oh, Ignacio Rosado, List goes on. I can give you a list yeah, of people involved. Yeah, I can imagine. That and, <laughs> yeah, but that's you,
1: a, you know having the inside uh, rail on knowing the topography of the lands would be um, you know um, secret source almost.
0: Well, it is, and so it's pretty helpful. We've and I I got to be a bit careful in my discussions, but of course. But your but your listeners will be. Um, uh, if they follow the story, they'll be attention. They'll notice that there's some things coming. There's some there's some other additions to this team that are going to happen in the next little <laughs> while, and and they're very connected in not only in the industry but but in the environmental circles and in California, and so
1: it all makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's all part of being successful. You know, to what I've found to be successful is you need a great asset, yep. a great management team and a great set of shareholders and investors. And if you can put those three things together, you can build something successful.
1: Yeah, you've got something very, very positive and bright uh, with a bright future at uh, Apollo Civil. that's for sure and yeah. certain. Now, I always think about project boundaries and I know that uh, the land doesn't stop at your boundary, it continues on, therefore the seams must continue on in some, some times, occasionally, hopefully. Uh, is there any uh, view to acquisitions of neighboring
0: properties? What, what What's so happening there? Yeah, so there, there is, the lands that we own and have purchased here are fee simple. We own them outright. They've already been designated as mining jurisdiction. Yep. So, uh, but the ground that surrounds them belongs to the BLM, that's the Bureau of Land Management. And it's a little more complicated to get uh, approvals to, to explore on that, and then ultimately to, to mine on that. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, it's very possible. There's a section, and if, and, and if you go and look at the, at the maps of our properties, and you look between the two, you'll see that it looks like, hey, there's an area here that these guys probably should own. And it yep. makes complete sense. So our plan is to go see the BLM and do a land swap with them. So we'll go buy some other land somewhere else, and give them that uh, in exchange for this land that, that adjoins our two pieces. And and so that's one way to get to get upside. And then we have staked some additional ground in certain areas, but I don't I don't want to get into exactly where and what yet. No, that's because fine. We're, we're waiting for for approval of our staking and mm-hmm. and so we'd rather yep. you know, we don't really know exactly yet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I understand. I really do appreciate but, this conversation. Thank you.
0: And then and then the I'll tell you the other thing too is that you know, uh, so we have another project in the company. It's called the Arizona Silver District. And it's got, it's got some really good opportunities for big grassroots discovery. And, and we look forward to going to work there. But, but what I want to suggest is that uh, I learned early in life to always have a plan B. And, and, um, and so rarely will you see a single asset company with me. I'm always looking to, at the right point in time, buy something else that makes sense. I used that phrase earlier, one and one is five, but I'll, yep. effectively I'll use it again. And that's, at some point here, uh, we will deliver on the things that we said we were gonna deliver on. And when we do, the market will give us a higher valuation. And, and, uh, and then other things will come on along, like the silver price will spike, uh, yep. and, and all of a sudden we'll get a much higher valuation. And usually what I do in those situations is I I then go and buy something that I've been looking at for a while that makes sense. And so so this company continues to look at other assets. Yep. We keep the doors open and and when the time is right and if the price is right we would strike on something else. And mm. the reason for that is that there's a there's a big vacuum between silver companies that have a 200 million market cap and the billion dollar intermediates and then the multi-billion dollar big boys but that gap between 200 million and a billion dollars is something that's just ripe for a u.s silver company and so so for us it'll be developing calico silver moving it along getting it through pre-feasibility getting some valuation in the market for that doing some early exploration work at the arizona silver district Hopefully getting some valuation in the market for that. And then and then potentially finding another big asset that goes with it. And now we're okay, at, no. at and now and now we're at that part of the food chain where somebody wants to take you out. So yeah, <laughs> this, is,
1: this is great feedback. I'm really enjoying the, the conversation, yeah. Andrew. I just uh, momentarily, if I could, please. You're talking about that, you know, they're going through the feasibility um, just a moment ago and uh, all the work that has to be done pre-production. How long is that going to take from here, do you think?
0: Uh, we'll probably get into a... Uh, we will deliver a maiden resource for, for Waterloo and for Langtree sometime in my guess early 2022. And then uh by then we will also be into some exploration on the property. We're just in the process of doing geophysics across the property. We've mm-hmm. already established several areas that we need to do some further drilling to extend. Many of the old holes ended in mineralization. And you know nobody ever wants to end a hole in mineralization. So <laughs> so we're gonna go back and drill some deeper. We're gonna go drill long strike and we're gonna test some other structures and 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 if some of that's significant, and we know, and so we would probably have an idea on that by maybe second quarter of next year. And if some of that's significant, then then we might have to look at doing a a, a resource a new resource calculation to add that in. But so 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 you're kind of on two critical paths then. But the Makes upshot sense. of all that is that ultimately we would want to lead this to an economic study sometime in tw- late 2022. Makes and so. And, and I'm not sure yet whether, uh, but it would likely be a PFS, so a pre-feasibility study. Most mm-hmm. of the resource will be measured and indicated, we would think. So should be able to get to a PFS. And then from there, it's, it's you know, um, depending on our treasury, we have to raise any more money or not, or, mm-hmm. or just buttoning, buttoning things down and, and then going through a feasibility study. And then, yeah. and then, of course, you make your decisions from there, whether you're doing it yourself, looking for a partner or looking for a buyer.
1: It's par for the course, isn't it? You've done yeah. this numerous times now. It's something that uh, you're fairly familiar with, I suspect. Now, when people get to uh, the point that they go, look, I need to know more about this. I want to get involved in as an investor. What is the process for them and where are they going to find out more information?
0: There'll be a lot of exposure on us. There, there generally is. We've got a We've got a pretty big following. My yep. our American Lithium, the sister company has 45,000 US shareholders. So, oh wow. Yeah, we Just a few. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so um, and we've got some of the bigger bigger investors on the globe in in our company. So uh, Yes,
1: I've seen why, some of the list. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I don't want to name drop, but,
1: No, 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 of but course there's not. There's a good
0: following. There's a good following. It's worth checking us out and 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 it starts i guess with a visit to our website so
1: Of course. Look, all of that being said, Andrew, this has just been a wonderful uh, brief insight into your world, and I really do appreciate it, as do the My Future Business audience. Now, for everybody who's on the call today, if you're looking for more information, I'll be making sure that the links back to Andrew and Apollo Silver are available no matter where you see this call. You will see those links back to uh, Apollo Silver, and the website for that is com. So... In closing, Andrew, I've really, really enjoyed the call today. Thank you very much for joining me.
0: Um, My pleasure, Rick. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I love chatting about what I do.
1: Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call,